0: cliffcentral.com Welcome to another in conference with Michael Jackson right here on your favorite podcast platform. This is cliffcentral.com and this is the show where you get to meet the people I'm lucky enough to meet as a conference speaker around the world. I get to spend time with business leaders, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, executives, masters of ceremony, conference speakers, some of the most interesting people on the planet. And we figured here at Cliff Central, it would be a joy for us to bring them to you and for you to get a glimpse almost behind the scenes. My guest on this podcast um, is a really well-known character in South African terms or African terms, I should say if not more widely known around the world as well. You'll probably know him from Carte Blanche, first and foremost. Mr. Bongani Bingwa is joining us now. And would you believe he's actually interrupted a Carte Blanche investigation so that he can actually spend 15 minutes with us here on Skype from a secret location where he's probably busting open a drugs cartel or something. I'm not even sure what it is because I'm not allowed to know. But here he is anyway, with his camera crew on pause to join us for Cliff Central. That's the influence that we've got. Bangani, how lovely to have you with us on the show.
1: Absolutely fantastic. Thank you for having me, Michael. But uh, the secret location might well be The offices of your accountant.
0: Oh, no, don't say that whatever you do. Sheer terror. The 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 hair on the back of my neck stood up then as well. I mean, look, it's kind of intriguing, I guess, because most people will be aware of your brand and you through the broadcast media as a journalist, as a presenter with carte blanche now, as well as you've been for some time. How did that happen for you? How did you actually get onto that world of television and ultimately the world of stage as well?
1: Wow. Um... It's sort of a long-winded story, but I'll try and summarize it. I've been working on television since 1993. I started off presenting Kitty's television programs. It was in my matric year. Of course, I'd always wanted to become a journalist, and my folks couldn't afford to send me to Rhodes, which was about the only decent place you could do media studies in those days. Uh, So I went and studied something entirely different, uh, took a detour away from sort of television or anything to do with a public type job. I was a church minister. I was a preacher for, for many, many years, in fact. Wow. Um, but I'd always wanted. To, yeah, that's not something everyone knows about me. Um, but I'd always wanted to be a journalist. More importantly, I felt that to be one, I needed to have something to say. I needed to have an understanding of the world. And so I I, I delayed it. And only when I was about in my early 30s did I pursue a career in, 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 in journalism, and I went to 702, and I I literally uh, banged on the door and said, let me in the building, I don't care if I have to make coffee, and I started as a, as, a, as a rookie in the newsroom doing overnight news, and then very quickly worked my way to programming, and it was from there that I got the, the chance to audition for Carte Blanche, and the rest is history.
0: Wow. I mean, in those very early days, then, when you were looking for that broadcasting break, I mean, um, forget the days of kids' television. Um, no, th- let's go back there. Were you dressed as a character, or were you you yourself on television with kids' programs?
1: No, I was always myself. I wow. was always myself. No, okay, I,
0: good. I, I mean, you are bang- a character was- anyway, <laughs> so you don't need to yeah. put a funny hat on or a funny head or anything like that. You're just you. When you got yeah. that break, though, by knocking on the door, by banging on the door... How long did it take you to, you know, to break your way into something as prestigious as 702 was back then?
1: I did. I did what, uh, you know, it, it's it's quite amazing, Michael. And as a motivational speaker, you will know this uh, quite often. It's it's really the tried and tested that that actually works. I did the old fashioned thing. I went into a studio. I hired a studio uh, with my own time. I cut a CD. I did all kinds of things. I, I did newsreads. I presented a talk show. I even invited people in that I interviewed and that's the CD I sent to them and that's what that's what hooked them um you know so obviously heard some potential in what I was trying to do but it was the tried and tested method of I'm going to give you guys as real a presentation of what I can do so that you have an understanding of what my abilities are and that's what seemed to, to have done the trick at the time but also it was I think Partly my attitude, because I said, I don't care what I do. I just want to be in the building. Get me in the building. If I, to, if I have to be a runner, if I have to run with sheets of paper between, I don't know, the newsroom and the studio booth, that's fine. Get me in the building. And, and, and I was prepared to do anything
0: that's a story of resilience i guess that anyone who's listening to this podcast can really take heart from as well i mean it's i remember the day when i began my very first program i was a guest on 702 and at the time mike wills who was station manager there told me afterwards he wanted me to present the show that i'd just been on so i was purely fortuitous my break into broadcast media for me was just a very very strange thing but i remember how good it felt and the vibe that it felt and you know in those old days of 702 land of hope and glory and all that kind of stuff it was an amazing place to be. Did, did that really set you off on your career then, do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, 702 is sort of, you know, is sort of the alma mater of many serious broadcasters in this country. Uh, you know, even a number of people in television to this day, uh, we all have had some connection at some point with 702. I mean, I think that's where so many stars, so many broadcast stars cut their teeth um and 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 so obviously i mean you know i was a listener before i was a presenter on, oh, the, on yeah. the station oh yeah and uh it it was always it was a privilege from day one and incidentally i i from time to time would uh you know cuz you you never get away from radio i think um so from time to time i do avail myself to fill in and stand in you know, somebody's not able to to present a show or whatever. And uh, just to have a sense of, I can still do this. And, and, and it's like riding a bike.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It's such a joy to have control of a studio and to do that, knowing, as you have here at Cliff Central, that you've got thousands of people listening to your podcasts and downloading them by choice, which I think is just a phenomenal thing. But you're resilient. So you got in, you did it the hard way. You proved how good you could be. Then that that break into television again, let's call it your break back in, uh, to to Carte Blanche. I mean, has Carte Blanche changed your life?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, but but d- before we even talk about that, Michael, if I may, um, one of the big differences, uh, you know, from a radio platform like Seven O Two that is almost entirely presenter driven, it's about the host of whatever show you are listening to. Yes. Carte Blanche is entirely different because I always say to people, my best work is never seen on television. So one of the first things that I changed or I had to understand was to leave the ego at the door, because when you get the break to be on carte blanche, you want to prove yourself. You want to show the world how good you are, how insightful your questions are, how razor sharp you are. Uh, But most of what the format allows is really for the answers. I'm not there to show the viewer uh, the questions I can ask. I'm there to get the answers. And so one of the things that carte blanche has done for me is that it's taught me humility i think it's taught me to understand that i'm not the story that the story is always bigger than i am and and that i'm really there as a representative of the viewer but in terms of what is what it has exposed me to i mean it's 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 been phenomenal because you know your typical studio anchor um whether on radio or television sits in the studio for three hours or whatever the the duration of their show Mm -hmm. And they have a sense of what's happening through reading what other people are telling them, but they're very often not actually on the ground. Carte Blanche allows me to be a reporter in the true sense of it, in the sense that whether it's an election or whether it's an investigation, I'm there on the ground talking to the people, seeing who's affected. And yet I'm able to be in the studio on a Sunday and anchor the show and give that perspective as well. So... It's it's a phenomenal privilege to be a part of it.
0: Although, when you now phone people and they see it's Bangani Bingwa on the phone, they must be very nervous about taking your calls in this day and age.
1: I mean, yes and no. I, mean, I get asked that question frequently, and and frankly, we 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 don't go. We don't. I don't think we do gotcha journalism. I think we try and say to people, "This is the information we have. How do you explain it? What went wrong?" I I I I know that. Possibly objectivity is something that remains elusive for any journalist, no matter how hard we try. Yeah, but we are we we aim for balance and we aim for fairness. And if we have information and you have an explanation, well and good. But if you don't, then obviously the viewer will make up their mind.
0: I'm kind of intrigued about what you've said about the way you're thinking on your feet. You're not the story, but uncovering the story as well as your early days in in broadcast radio as well. All of that, I guess, has set you up magnificently to be the ultimate master of ceremonies from a business conference point of view. A, you're a recognizable brand name. People know your face. They love you for what you do. And yet you bring to your discipline on stage at a corporate event all of that know-how and knowledge that enables you to hold the fast-paced world of conferencing together and glue the bits together as an MC, keeping people interested in their seats and engaged in the process—a natural fit.
1: I mean, it's it, it's it's both it's both a blessing and a curse in some respects, uh, because obviously, when you MC conferences uh, or any sort of business gathering, it's it's a chance to meet uh, many of the people that watch the show and to interact with them but of course at times it can feel a bit like you're a, you're an, a, a continuity announcer and saying and next up is Michael Jackson and the people are obviously there to listen to Michael Jackson i probably enjoy conferences where i facilitate a heck of a lot more mm. where i'm able to have a conversation with Michael Jackson and interview you in front of a live audience and and i've had the chance to do to do that sort of thing. I mean, I've had a chance to interview people like Tony Blair, for example, in front of a live uh, audience at a conference. Um, I've had a chance recently, in fact, to interview South Africa's only Michelin star chef and talk about his journey in front of a live studio audience. Obviously, CEOs, uh, captains of industry, uh, government ministers, and the like. That's really the kind of conferencing I, I enjoy, and obviously from time to time when I'm get, when I'm invited to speak as well. Um, but what carte blanche exactly uh, allows, as you point out, is that all rounder experience where you are, because you know, as you know, the show literally is that blank canvas. We could be in Deep Sluit one week, and the next we could be at the One and Only in Cape Town. Uh, we talk to ordinary folks, and we talk to extraordinary folks. Um, and, and that allows you then in the conferencing environment to be able to really deal with almost any subject matter.
0: Yeah, I love that. And as you say, I think when you're know when you looking to add value as a master of ceremonies into a conference in this day and age, I'm writing a book at the moment called Build a Better Conference out in early 2017. And it's talking about this new style of conferencing. Don't just bring an MC in or think that the office clown or comedian can do it. Use your MC to facilitate your program, interviewing the MD, the financial director, who by default tend to be incredibly nervous people because they're not full-time presenters, but everyone, particularly when they're being... Being led by a good interviewer can get their story out. And I think that's really, Bangani, where you're excelling as well. I mean, you're starting to do more and more of this as time permits. Do you really enjoy it?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, because as I say, my best work is never seen on television because obviously the pieces are edited. So when I'm in front of a, a live audience and feeding off their interest, um, that's that's absolutely the thing that, that I thrive uh, on. So I, whenever I'm asked and I'm given the opportunity I absolutely love doing it, and I, I mean you know you you know these things, Michael, so many people go to conferences and they present these PowerPoint uh, presentations with you know graphs that people at the back can hardly see, full of facts and figures that really do not speak to the messaging that their delegates want to hear, but when somebody is asking the tough questions because that's the other thing mm. is when the audience feels that actually The presenter is asking the questions that we want to know. We want to know about the issues that the business might be dealing with, might be facing. And and when they feel that those answers are being, you know, uh, given, it's so much better for, for the delegate. It's such a different conference experience for the
0: delegate. Sounds fantastic. And I know that you do a brilliant job. And when I've shared the stage with you, it's an absolute joy to watch you in action. Time is against us, as always with deadlines. And as a journalist, you understand that fully. Um, I know you can't give out your number because underground gangland bosses would love to find out where you really live. So in the real world, how do people get hold of you if they're going, oh, Bangani Bingwa? Yeah, I'd like him to, I'd like him to facilitate my next event. How do they get hold of you? Have you got a Twitter address?
1: My Twitter address is, obviously, you can look for my name and surname on Twitter. My handle is at Bungles, but uh, they can also get hold of me via my agent, SA Online. So uh, if you email Jean Pierre at SA Online, you'll be able to book me.
0: Good. That's not a bad thing at all. And at Bungles, let me just spell that out for the benefit of our listeners, B O N G L E Z is Bangani Bingwa's secret Twitter handle. You never knew that before, and it didn't take a carte blanche investigation to reveal it. He just gave it away so simplistically. I love it. Bangani, time is against us. Been a pleasure having you on the show, sir. More power to your elbow. I look forward to sharing stages with you all across the planet in the not-too-distant future. Michael,
1: thank you for having me.
0: An absolute joy. That was Bangani Bingwa. This is In Conference with Michael Jackson, and it's all on cliffcentral.com. cliffcentral.com.